We are back with the Lineals Podcast. It's us again. I'm Smith. I'm Seth. And uh, we're here on another Sunday uh, morning for once, recording on a morning time, morning uh, episode. How you feeling, Seth? It's very, very, very early for me. <laughs> it's eleven seventeen a.m. God, I haven't been up this early since two days ago when I had to go to work. <laughs> we're barely human at this at this time. Yeah. It's also super hot for me. It's pretty hot here. I mean, we're living in the same fucking area, basically. I'm sure it's hotter there, though. You know, tonight, this morning outside, I actually feel pretty good. It was uh, windy and nice. I went outside to check on the garden. It was it was pretty good, and yeah. it has rapidly become not. Yeah, then, yeah, I'm about to say five minutes later, it was probably air soup again. Oh, man. Let me get me started on the fucking air soup we live in. Um. So, yeah. We uh, we've had ourselves a, another. This this has been a significantly calmer week than last week. Yeah, it's been a been a little been a little chiller, a little on the back burner. I'm sad to report that the uh, uh, Alex Jones predicted a leftist uprising on July 4th did not take place. <laughs> we were we were delayed. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. I mean, we were already. I had my pitchfork sharpened, but then uh, the our our leftist leader sent out a text saying it was gonna be off for a little bit. I had my giant uh, yeah. dildo on a stick that I was gonna beat people to death with, ready to go. And then they just you know I got I got, I got the I got an, actually a, a a message sent to my beeper, and it was like mm. no go. Who do you who do you think is our leftist leader? Who do you think he is? He or she is? I mean, everyone would say Bernie Sanders, right? Like they would, they would say that's who that's who it would be. But I, I personally would like to say that it is a, uh, uh, the the literal ghost of Stalin. Okay, I'm cool with that. How about cool you? With that. I think it's either the ghost of Marx or Lil Pump, one of the two. <laughs> Lil Pump? You think he's a a Marxist or a leftist? I think if he knew anything about politics, he might be. What do you think a little pump knows about? Uh, here, I've listened to a lot of his music. I've watched inter- I watched an hour long interview with him one time. I don't know if he knows anything. But in his defense, he's seventeen years old. And he's seventeen. He is seventeen. He's younger than you. He's younger than me, considerably younger. He's a literal um, child by the definition of the law. Yes. So he can't even vote. He can't even vote. Holy you're, shit. You're right about that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what he knows or what he believes in. I think he only believes in Lil Pump, which that's fine with me. I assume he knows a little bit about pumps, though, right? Like something? Yeah, I guess that's where he got his name from. He, I think he talked about it one time. I think he, like, it's like because he liked to play the pump shotgun in some video game or something. I don't know. I thought he was a, he was a pump repairman. Oh, you mean like an actual, like a mechanical pump? Yes. Oh. Yeah, probably not that. No, I meant the shoes. Oh, he repairs those specific types of shoes? Yeah, pumps. That's that's not a good business model. I'm going to tell you right now, Seth, I don't know what pumps are in terms of shoes. I heaped, I, They look like high heels to me. Yeah. That's, uh, are we doing shoe talk now? I, I guess. What are okay. your favorite shoes? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really into shoes, so I could talk about this for like an hour, but we don't have to get true. into this. Uh, my favorite shoes are the ones that protect my feet. They just they slip on over there, and I tie them up, and I'm good to go. That's my favorite kind of shoes. Yes, you are a, a, sh- a shoe minimalist, I'd say. I am a, I am not very smart when it comes to shoes or clothes. 
Yes. I, I'm not very good with clothes, but I own, I, I count it. I own 13 pairs of shoes. What do you say? Yeah, some stuff. Do you know what colors go with what? I know. I have a pretty good understanding at this point. I'm still not great at it. That's why I try to wear stuff like black and khaki and like blue jeans as much as possible. But overall, I, I'm getting the gist of it. I'm still not perfect at it. I don't know where you acquire this this arcane knowledge. Everyone seems to know, but I except for me. I mean, I learned it from our mom. I apparently I didn't pay it. attention. I don't know. I was I was busy probably reading a book about I don't know fucking aliens or some shit. Yeah, but you normally wear blue jeans and shorts, got gray shorts anyway, so you don't have to worry about matching that much. I started wearing basketball shorts recently. That's my new thing. That's good. Are you you gonna try hooping? <laughs> I'm just, bitch, I'm going to go back to hooping. I'm not going to try it. Oh, yeah, you're going to go back to your hooping days. I'm going back. Yeah. We used to we used to play in college a little bit. Like, not, like, yeah. actually play. Just, like, fuck around on the court. Shoot yeah, they used to call you Dunk, right? Dunk, yeah. yeah. That's like, they called me Dunk for my ability to dunk. Not because I would routinely dunk my head um, <laughs> in lakes and shit when I was drunk. That's why they yeah. called me Dunk. Oh my god! There was one night when I I was extremely drunk and I tried to run out to the, the lake uh, in the middle of this uh, 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 dorm complex to see these geese, mm-hmm. and the geese chased me away. And then the cops showed up, and I ran. And they were going to probably uh, I guess uh, arrest me until my buddy who was an army ranger showed up and like gave him his military ID. And it turns out if you're a military guy, you could just do whatever. And so the cops left us alone. Yeah. Uh, so that's the one time the military help, ever helped me in my life. Well, that's good. Um, but speaking, I guess that's we're on the topic, speaking of uh, hoops, uh, basketball, I have sad news for listeners of our podcast. Um, your favorite segment it ha- has now lived and died. Um, so we're about to have our last ever edition of LeBron Watch. No! I know. I know. It's, it's unfortunate for everyone. But... Mere hours after we recorded our last podcast, it was announced that LeBron James has signed a four-year max contract with the Los Angeles Lakers. So, are we, do, we, do we like the Lakers or not? It doesn't matter what we like. My, ask me who my favorite NBA team is. Who's your favorite NBA team? Whatever team LeBron James is on. So now the Lakers. Now it's the Lakers. It was the Cavs for a long time, Miami Heat for a little bit, and now it's... Now it's the Lakers. Um, yeah, I mean, this was a foregone conclusion for anyone who, like, decides to keep their eyes open. Um, LeBron's uh, son had committed to playing basketball at a private school in L.A. He had just bought a new house in L.A. Um, it was pretty, pretty a foregone conclusion that he was either going to be moving to L.A. or going to move there very soon. Um, so, yeah, and apparently... Uh, Magic Johnson, you know, a very popular former Laker himself, sat down with LeBron in his house one night and, like, kind of laid out a plan they have for the team going forward. And because of that, LeBron signed his contract the next day. So whatever whatever Magic said must have been very, very exciting. Um, since then, uh, like I said, Magic Johnson must be a very convincing man because since then the Lakers have made a slew of interesting roster decisions. They've... I'm not going to get too deep into basketball knowledge here, but they have basically signed about four players who, in their lifetime, have all pissed off LeBron James. Um, so I feel like maybe LeBron was just like, bring me all of my enemies, and I want to win with them. And then I can do anything. 
Um, Do you think the magic spell they used to cure uh, Magic Johnson of AIDS gave him super persuasion powers? That could be what it was. He could have been like, look, we're going to hire four guys who you really don't like and are probably past their prime. And we're going to do that for at least one year. And then maybe we'll give you a team of people who actually work together. But for one year, at least, you're going to have to be pretty much on your own like you were in Cleveland. And he was like, whatever. I'll do but, it. But it's one LA. of the goal is to, is to have LeBron channel his anger on the court at these people. That could be it. I'll be fine with that. I'll be fine with if Lance Stevenson being on his team means he can drop 45 points a night. I'll be very, very fine with that. Okay. Um, but, yeah. And now we have a bit of a, a vacuum, as you can call it, in the uh, NBA because— I call vacuums uh, a power suck. There's a power suck. That's a very good—there's a power suck in the NBA right now because already— it was very hard for any teams that are in the Western Conference to win because of the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets, who are two powerhouse teams. Um, Golden State won, has won three of the last four NBA championships. Um, the only thing that was holding the East up was having LeBron James over there because uh, otherwise the East probably wouldn't even be able to compete with the West. But now there's no LeBron in the East. Every, every one of these teams is now... Uh, on the West, you have the Golden, you have Golden State. Uh, still, Golden State just signed another All Star to their team, so now their their starting lineup is literally five All Stars, which has almost never happened in the history of the NBA. Um, you have the Houston Rockets who just re-signed their two major players, and now you have the Lakers with LeBron. So the East is going to become a wild land of who is going to win in the post-LeBron era, and yeah, we will see how that goes it's gonna I, in my opinion we are already in the 2019 offseason um the Golden state warriors have won another championship and the lakers are trying to sign new players with lebron in my opinion but i guess we'll see how the year plays out okay so you think next year that the Golden state warriors will win again yeah i mean with with if you don't win with five all-stars as you're starting five you're doing something wrong like is like, and the thing is, this is totally legal. It remarkably is because they're the latest All Star they signed, Demarcus Cousins. They were able to sign him for an embarrassingly low amount of money. I don't know. I guess because it's a one and done, he was willing to go for a low amount of money. But um, so yeah, they they were able to use their max salary, and uh, they trusted the system long enough to get nothing but incredible players on their team. So it's gonna be. It's gonna be rough going for not only the West but the NBA in general. Wait, hold on. Who are uh, who are Demarcus Cousins? Next. <laughs> I'll let your response anytime like a bad joke is just to say next. Yep, next. Like I have a next joke. Like I had like I had anything in the chamber but that one. No, no, no. I mean next topic of the podcast. Oh, okay, gotcha. you, have, you have effectively killed basketball and the blonde watch talk. <laughs> Next topic, please. I do have a question, though, a genuine question yes. uh, for once. Um, uh So the Golden State Warriors, um, yes. they're also a Californian team. Yes, there's right? like so, five teams in California. So there's no limit to the amount of teams a state can have. Not that I know of. There Maybe there is some theoretical limit, but a lot of teams, especially in the past 10 years, have moved to California. Now, why is that? Uh, California, there's a lot of real estate, there's a lot of rich people, there's a lot of people to uh, fund uh, stadiums, and 
it's easier to build surpassing it's easier to build a fan base out there because um, there's lots of people who have time to go to games and um, can participate in basketball as a culture so it's very easy to uh, move your team out there and it's very good economically because you can save a lot of because if California's willing to make the taxpayers pay for or actually taxpayers don't do it that much out there they actually have a pretty good system but they have rich people out there who are willing to bankroll your stadiums and you know all that money flowing in you know why would you not do it okay so yeah it's it's there's like tons of teams in la now for both football and basketball so like the golden state warriors essentially are um like a microcosm of how capitalism works where one one group can amass all of the best stuff yeah, they, else Golden State Warriors screen. have seized the means of production. But, no, they haven't. Because, because they don't. They don't have LeBron James. The means of production is LeBron James. That's true. And he he worked for somebody else. LeBron and James he, is the people. LeBron James has been the people's champ for a long time. Only one time in his life that he decided to play for a super team. Or uh, decided to build a super team in one year. And ever since then, he has just literally tried to pull up any team he's been on by himself. And he's just so good, he can mostly do it. Yeah, he has for eight straight years in the East. We'll see what he does in the West now. Okay. So I look forward to it. Next. <laughs> um, I mean, if we want to move on to, like, topics, like actual topics. Oh, I wanna... so oh, all of a sudden the broad watch isn't an actual topic? No, no, I'm saying, like, actual topics in terms of things that, that I, Smith, have prepared to talk about and not just meaningless bullshit that I say. Uh, meaningless bullshit is fine, too. Um... I wanted to talk about a friend of the show, Elon Musk. Yes. Um, He's going to be on folks. next week, right? Yeah, we're going to have him on next week. Cool. Um, I know folks think that we talk about Elon Musk too much, but um, I disagree. I think that we should talk about him a lot because he is probably the closest we'll ever get to a real-life supervillain. Um, but much like how things are in real life compared to fiction, the the truth is always lamer than uh, than what happens in movies. Yeah. So we have a very lame supervillain, and this is a pretty interesting that happened recently. So, you, so Seth, we, we I, th- I think I have a credible replacement for LeBron Watch. Okay, I think we, we need to have Cave Watch about the boys cave lost watch. in the cave. Yes, we need to, we need to, we need to keep track of the boys in the cave. See how long it takes to get them all out of there. They're, say, they're saying months. I think this 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 watch should go on for a while. Okay, I'm cool um, with Cave Watch. So the most interesting development recently in Cave Watch is that Elon Musk has offered to build a submarine that will go into the caves and retrieve the boys one by one. And I Seth, I want you to imagine something for me real quick. Imagine that you are a nine-year-old uh, kid from Thailand, and mm-hmm. you are loaded into a rounded metal coffin, just big enough to contain your, your tiny little body. Mm-hmm. You are sealed in here, and then you are dragged for six hours in complete darkness through underground caves and water systems, occasionally bumping against rocks and whatnot. How's your mental state? How you feeling? Uh... I mean, not great, especially if I was told that this thing was built in, uh, like, eight hours, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, we could talk for days about the Tesla's yeah. uh, difficulties getting the cars built. That's true. My, my, my favorite new contributions are the fact that they looked at the number of welds they were doing on the cars and reduced them. Yeah, yeah the car needs less welds. Don't worry yeah. about it. It's okay. It can be less sturdy. 
And also that they stop this thing called the break and roll test, which tells me there are going to be a lot of deaths from these cars. Yeah. So, but what I wanted to talk about was this article uh, in The Guardian by Rory Rory Carroll uh, called, uh, it's, it's, well, it's about the Gigafactory. You, have you heard of this thing, Seth? Yes, I've heard lots of things about it. The alien and, dreadnought, as he called it. Yeah, and there's one of the, the the best headline I've heard so far. I think you sent it to me. Is that it's what removed all humanity? All humanity has left the area. That's wild. That is so, just. Oh. I, wanted, I just wanted to give you a couple of little excerpts here from this article about how wild shit's gotten out in a in I believe it's a Nevada. Yeah, it's Nevada. Um, about this thing. Now. It says here, um, when Nevada enticed Tesla to set up a gargantuan battery factory in the desert, America's gambling capital seemed to have hit the jackpot. The factory would have a state-of-the-art 5.5 million square foot facility, reputedly the world's biggest building by footprint, and promised to generate tens of thousands of jobs, as well as an investment worth $100 billion. Cities around the so-called Gigafactory in northern Nevada lined up to reap the bonanza. No longer dusty provincial versions of Las Vegas, these municipalities will become innovative makers of lithium-ion batteries, electric cars, and partners in Elon Musk's vision of a clean energy revolution. That was the pitch. These days, many residents in Sparks, a sun-baked, low-rise city of 100,000 people located 20 miles from the factory, express humbler dreams. Food, shelter, health care. Quote, I'm not used to living this way, said Catherine Pope, 69, a retired administrator who rents a small motel room and relies on food donations. I cannot afford to move. Many times, I can't afford meat. Another impoverished resident, 70-year-old unemployed transcriptionist and with a thyroid condition, faces a recurring dilemma. Quote, food or medicine, it's one or the other. A rent increase may soon compel another grim choice. Sleep in her battered 1997 Saturn or in a homeless shelter. Man. <laughs> Elon Musk purports himself as a champion of the people. A lot. A lot. He tries to be the cool tech billionaire guy, you know. I'm putting shit in space. I'm fucking, I'm building cars that run on grass, and I'm just the coolest guy there is. I'm the cool one. I'm not like these other, I'm not some robot like Zuckerberg. I'm a regular guy. I'm cool. I just got a lot of money. Um, but then you read shit like this, and it just, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Um, yeah, he goes on to say, from another guy, uh, quote, a year ago, I was the caretaker of an apartment building and my wife was a caregiver. Then I lost my job. We couldn't afford to rent anywhere, so now we live here, said Kevin McCullough, 48, who, like his partner Pixie, was sunburned from outdoor living. Home is a tent by the riverbank. Man. Living in a fucking tent. They go on to say that some have a term for what's happening in, in Sparks. Teslaed. Yeah, I'd say Musked or Elon, <laughs> but sure, Tesla. That's fine. 
uh, one complaint is that tax credits given to Tesla and to a lesser extent other tech companies deplete public services, resulting in potholed roads, overcrowded schools, and insufficient affordable housing. The other is that tech worker influ influx has sent rents rocketing, tipping residents on fixed incomes, especially seniors, into penury. Just insane. What's that word, penury? I don't know this one. Uh, basically, you just you can't afford to live where you live anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, this is why Domino's is fixing fucking potholes, man. Because the government has given everyone so many tax credits to, to you know, to basically saying, hey, don't pay us that people can't afford to pay for shit anymore. The government can't afford to pay for shit. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are in a bad way because of all this fucking capitalism bullshit. Here's another great quote for you. Th yeah, that was not the pitch in 2014 when Nevada beat rival bids from California and New Mexico to land the Gigafactory. It did so with exemptions from sales and use, property and general business taxes for 10 to 20 years, adding up to an estimated unprecedented $1.4 billion. Wow. So the state essentially paid Tesla $1.4 billion to build this ugly-ass factory out in the fucking desert in the hopes that it would, what, make more jobs? It never does that. It never does. Yeah. It's never once worked out the way the capitalists say it will. It's always pocketed by them, and then we get fucked. It's constantly that. I hate the idea that states or cities or whatever are competing to let these capitalists build their, their facilities in their, in their area. Like, no, they should be paying you to build there. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, that's how it's... That's how you'd think it would work. That's how it should work. And considering that none of these plans have ever worked for anyone, you feel like they might be a little less open to them. And then uh, it says right here, a, uh, a Tesla spokesperson in the company said the company was investing in local education, including a high school manufacturing development program and a $3.75 million plan to promote science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Of course, they want to create more fucking people that could, you know, fight to the death in the fucking uh, job pits to work for Tesla. That's true. That's the thing is... They don't care about the humanities or liberal arts or anything like that. No, it's all sciences. It has to be science education. No one wants to think it. Because this is the, here's the thing. The humanities are one of the few fields where capitalism has a problem penetrating, right? It's hard to get you know people who study history and the humanities to sign off on this kind of shit. Because they are, if not you know liberal, uh, sometimes leftist. And they understand this shit's, this shit's fucked. Yeah. It's, I don't know, it's, it's messed up. And yeah, like, people, like, it's why people who are in the arts tend to be, tend to be more liberal in the first place, is because, you know, they have to sit here and see the detriments of all this, uh, capitalism wires. People who, you know, even myself, I'm in, I'm in the science and technology fields, you know, we, we, a lot of times if you, if you don't want to look at it, you can just see the bright side to all this stuff and never really look at the, the, the evil that's behind it all. Yeah. It's... It's ridiculous, man. Um, 
here's the thing here from uh, uh, Jenny Breckus, a city planner and member of the Reno City Council, said Nevada could not afford corporate welfare. Quote, I don't believe you can be a low-tax, low-service state and play this economic development game where you give away tax revenue. Yeah, no shit, right? Yeah, that should just be fucking obvious. There's another guy here who says, quote, The factory is a good thing, said Omar Alvarez, 28, a building contractor who earned $18 an hour plus generous benefits at Tesla's factory. Quote, well, as long as you actually work there. Yeah. I'm again, sure. no shit, right? Um, because, I mean, like, again, they said, they said it right here in the article that, um, yeah, if you work there, it's great, but the higher cost of living that comes with it kicks out anyone who doesn't work there that's in the area. Including people on fixed incomes, like old people. Yeah. Um, it says right here, quote, I get depressed. All humanity has left the area, said Pope, who used to work in an architect's office. Her $700 a month a ground floor motel room is a dramatic come down from her previous apartments. Um, it says here, the unemployed transcriptionist declined to be named lest identification sabotage her last-ditch attempt to avoid eviction. Asked to name affordable, unaffordable luxuries, she replied, quote, ice cream, bacon, a movie ticket. God damn. Yeah, but capitalism cures, right? It fixes things. It's, it's great. Mm. Has great solutions to all our problems. So... Uh, again, if you're under the show, Elon Musk, uh, get fucked. Yeah. Eat your own dick. Yeah, for sure. Oh, man. I'm even hotter than I was before now. Now I'm mad. Yeah. Get too hot. <laughs> get too hot. Too hot. Oh, man. Um, see, so yeah, there's a, uh, there's a little bit, did you catch the thing about the soybean ship? Soybean ship? No, I did not. So, uh, midnight, I think on, like, July 5th or some shit, the Trump administration uh, slapped some uh, more tariffs on China to the tune of, like, $34 billion or some ridiculous number. And there was a ship full of soybeans that was racing against the clock to get to China to sell their to sell their cargo before those tariffs went into effect, and they did not make it. Ah. Uh. So, I think they, like, lost money on the, on the, on the venture then. Uh, I thought you were going to say they made it, like, just in the nick of time. Nah, dude, we live in hell world. No, nothing good happens here. That's so, true. Only bad things occur. Hey, we've got a new friend of the show, though. Who's that? The, you know. She liked our tweet last week. Oh, yeah! Uh, Carrie Evelyn Harris, the Delaware uh, Senate uh, primary candidate. Um, yes. I guess she thinks we're cool now. Here's what I want to say. Mm-hmm. When I first saw that she liked it, I was like, okay, I get it. In the in the tweet, you probably mentioned her, right? Mm-hmm. You didn't. No. You did not mention that we talked about her at all in the tweet, which means somebody's listening. <laughs> so, shout outs. Just saying. Come on Someone, our podcast. Dude, Carrie, Evelyn Harris, you're welcome to come on the podcast. Yes. I know we are not in Delaware. We have nothing to do with Delawarean politics. But when you eventually want to run for president, you're gonna you're gonna look back and say, "Man, the Illennials podcast—that's what got me the Southern vote right there." I promise you, we will be less gross if you come <laughs> on this podcast. We will do our best to to avoid our usual shenanigans yes. out here. Um, 
But yeah, there's a whole crop now. I think I saw somewhere the number was 60 uh, congressional and senatorial uh, primary candidates that are have pledged to take no corporate money, uh, which is great. Yeah, I think that's a, a good initiative. It's, it's, it's a way to bring honesty to politics. Yeah, I think that there should be, like, money should be severely limited in politics. I don't think, I think that if you decide to run for office, the government should give you an allotment of money that you can raise, and it can only be that much. You cannot get any more or any less, or you can get less, obviously. You can get any more than that number, and that's it. And it should be a really low number. The last time I read about it, I think that's how the British elections work, in that there's a certain amount of money that you're allowed to spend, and you can't go over that. Yes, and I think that's exactly how it should be here. And also the media is, for a certain period around the election, has to cover both sides fairly, which is why you saw the huge surge for Corbyn in the last election, was because they had to suddenly stop telling lies, and of course people wanted to... uh, to vote for him then so you know i think i think that we definitely we get de- like that's one of, of, of ocasio cortez's uh campaign platforms is we need to get money out of politics and we need to you know fix our system like after citizens united fucked everything up for everybody and now we have corporations giving millions to candidates uh we gotta fix this shit because it's it's ridiculous yeah i, but, I, I so, don't know that's something that really needs some reform in this country like, a Supreme Court literally said that money equals political, like, votes, which is insane. Yeah, that should, that should not be how it is. It should be that your your message is what gets you elected. Your personality is what keeps you elected and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and it's just sad that we, we have a, a, a culture now where we, we want money to rule even more of our lives. We want to have more of it. And it's like, come on, man. Like... Why give even more of, a, of an advantage to, to these people who have everything already? Yeah. That's, once again, that's coming back to the, the point of this whole podcast is why. <laughs> well, I think, why? That, I think that one of the points of Leno's podcast is to show that people who live in rural and southern areas are not, we are not a monolith, Right. Yeah, it's a, there's a lot of, uh, what do you call it? There's a lot of demographics out here that you don't get to see very often if you don't live in the area. Yeah. And then you can't, you can't paint the whole place with one brush, much like you can't paint, you know, the Northeast and Northwest with, and the Midwest with a, a one brush. Um, so yeah, we just wanted to get a little, little information out there about how people like us feel. Like, hell, I was surprised when I learned that um, in New York, there are tons of Republicans who hold office. Oh, yeah. Like, like if you listen to the media, they would they would have you believe that New York is a solidly blue, like, like it, basically every person's a Democrat, and it's like, that is not at all the truth. Because yeah. New York still has those, like, entrenched, wealthy districts and such where it's probably impossible to get win as a Democrat in the first place. Yeah. So... I do want to talk about something else, Seth. Go ahead. Another topic. Uh, an article I read, which was particularly delicious uh, this week, from the Daily Signal, which is a bad website. Don't go there. Um, 
But the article in question is why capitalism is morally superior to socialism. Please lay it on me. This sounds like a fucking bombshell. This was this written. Might, this might change our whole podcast. We might we <laughs> might agree with them. Who knows? <laughs> written by Walter E. Williams, who is apparently a professor of economics at George Mason University. I need to go ahead and let everyone know. Just because you're a professor of economics does not mean anything. Yeah. Having a degree in economics, or especially in business, is basically just a four-year initiation into being a cultist of capitalism. It, it means nothing. So, don't think this guy is smart because he's a professor. Alright? Um, so, yeah, let's, start, let's just start from the top. Uh, several recent polls, plus the popularity of Senator Bernie Sanders, demonstrate that young people prefer socialism to free market capitalism. Good. Obviously, great, good, I want this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I believe, is a result of their ignorance and indoctrination during their school years from kindergarten through college. For the most, most part, neither they nor many of their teachers and professors know what free market capitalism is. Yes, Stop right I agree. There. <laughs> Go ahead. Stop right there. We have discussed countless times in this podcast about how we were miseducated about socialism and communism our whole lives and we're only taught about capitalism and free market economy so fuck this guy i mean i would agree with him that we're not told much about it because if we were told what free market capitalism is we would hate it i mean yeah we, i mean we were told that it's it's the one that we have and it's the good thing and you know we use the word free market because it's like it uses the word freedom and it kind of use it kind of plays on our connotations of the word but we are taught much less and much less pros about the other systems. So oh, yeah. this guy has a flawed premise immediately. And basically no cons of free market capitalism either. Exactly. We're taught that it's the way and it's, it's the way it's going to be. So um, this goes on to say free market capitalism wherein there is a peaceful voluntary exchange is morally superior to any other economic system. Why? Let's start with my initial premise. First of all, I want to say this is Smith talking again. Your participation in capitalism is not peaceful and it is not voluntary. It's not voluntary. You ha- you don't you cannot drop out of the system unless you want death. And a choice between being forced to do something to survive and death is not voluntary at all. No. It's also not peaceful, and I'll give credit where credit's due to to the libertarian type for this. Like Obviously, there is a threat of force on you if you do not participate in the way they want you to in the system, right? Yeah, I mean, which which you is don't good. Have a choice. Yeah, you you th- at some point there needs to be a threat of force to keep people in line on things because people, if we if, you know, I think people are mostly good, but not that's not universally true, right? So yeah, I mean, we, we like to believe that at their core, everyone has some has at least some level of goodness, but that's not a hundred percent of the time. So, moving on, it says, All of us own ourselves. I am my private property, and you are yours. Murder, rape, theft, and and the initiation of violence are immoral because they violate self-ownership. Similarly, the forcible use of one person to serve the purposes of any other person for any reason is immoral because it violates self-ownership. So, does that mean that, like, elected officials are bad? Even even based on that, a job, right, is the use of one person to serve the purposes of another. That's true. 
in this true. system, right? You're serving their purposes. And, and this is almost close to what Mark said is the way that person exists is they take the marginal uh, um, excess of what you create for themselves and you don't get it, right? It's taken away from you. Also, this is a very dumb because we are not private property. Private property is the means of production. They are tools and and uh, land that is used to produce things. People, human beings, are not used to create property or to create value unless they're slaves. You are your own personal property. Yes. Everything else still applies, but I hate when people say that, you're, that, that, that they don't understand what private property is. No, private property, unless you see humans as slaves, which I'm sure most people who who are capitalists do see us as slaves, you're not private property. Yeah, I agree. Um, tragically, two-thirds to three-quarters of the federal budget can be described as Congress taking the rightful earnings of one American to give to another American, using one American to serve another. Such acts include farm subsidies, business bailouts, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, food stamps, welfare, and many other programs. Free market capitalism is disfavored by many Americans and threatened, not because of its failure, but ironically because of its success. Free market capitalism in America has been so successful in eliminating the traditional problems of mankind, such as disease, pestilence, hunger, and gross poverty, that all other human problems appear both unbearable and inexcusable. So, I mean, where do you even start with this, right? Like, where do you where do you even start with, with what this guy is saying? That's what I'm saying. I'm having trouble even not even where to start digging into this. What angle to go from? Like, I, I, like uh, business bailouts. Hey, we agree on something. We shouldn't bail out businesses. Hey, we got one thing right. Yeah. But the rest of it, like welfare programs, are good and necessary. Fuck off. Those are needed for people. And if you want to talk about my rightful earnings being taken and given to another American, I never consented to building all those Hellfire missiles and blowing up brown kids overseas. I never consented to sending in tanks to Ferguson to to quell the uprisings. Hey, my my money shouldn't go to that. I don't want that. Yeah, I never voted for any of that. Which is kind of where the idea of... We talked about uh, J. Cole a couple weeks ago talking about how maybe we should be able to choose where our money goes, you know? I agree. We should. A terrible decision. It should be like the humble bundle, where when I buy something, I can I can say how much money goes to charity, how much goes to the creators. Like, give me that. Mm-hmm. Just a little slider on my tax returns, where I tell you where I can just set military to zero and set like education <laughs> and welfare to fifty each. Um, and then also it says eliminated disease, pestilence, hunger, and gross poverty. Are you fucking shitting me? That yeah. That I don't. Where, where do you start? How I mean, yeah, uh, I can't wait to tell all the sick, hungry, and poor people that their problems don't actually exist. Yeah, you're just, you're all this is made up. Okay, none <laughs> of this is real. You're just dumb. I also love that they put gross poverty, not just poverty, because they got to keep qualifying it, right? To say, oh, you're, that's that's gross poverty. That's a different problem from just poverty, which is okay and fine. They, they are acknowledging that we need to have uh, a permanent underclass, right? Yeah. That's, um, I, go ahead. that's just such a weird point of view. Um, I, no, keep on going. 
I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it's, no, I'm just speechless. I just keep talking. I don't even know why. I don't even know what's going on. The desire, the desire of many Americans to eliminate these so-called unbearable and excusable problems has led to the call for socialism. That call includes equality of income, sex, and race balance, affordable housing and medical care, orderly markets, and many other socialistic ideas. Holy shit, those sound terrible. Yes. It's just a list of the worst stuff. Sex and race balance? Like, come on! The guy who's writing this, by the way, is a black guy. Like, come on, really? dude. Yeah. Alright, that's surprising. If his picture's not a hell. lie. And, I mean, affordable housing and medical care, first of all, fuck affordable housing. I don't want affordable housing. I want free housing. Alright? I want true. free housing for everybody. I also don't want affordable medical care. I want free medical care for everyone. Like, yes. This guy doesn't even know what we want. He thinks he knows what we want, but we're even more extreme than that. As I've said a hundred times, there should be no cost associated with just staying alive and having shelter. For sure. Okay? There is no reason for there to be a cost associated with any of that stuff. It doesn't make any sense that just to be a person in this country, you have to be making some kind of money or you have to have enough money to just pay for those couple of hurdles and then you can have anything else. It doesn't make any sense. No, because, I mean, it should be on us as a society. Like, you even look back to the very beginnings of, of, of human civilization when we were villages or had or hunter-gatherers. We all took care of each other. We understood the inherent value of providing stuff for each other on a cooperative basis because that strengthens us as a whole. Yeah. I mean, working together and taking care of each other is going to be the answer to a lot of our problems. We have to. How soon we're going to see that, I have no idea. All right, Seth. So are you ready for the, the PASD resistance of this fucking thing? I'm ready for the kicker. All right. Oh, my God. This is going to hurt me to read. Just give me time. Let's compare capitalism with socialism by answering the following questions. In which areas of our lives do we find the greatest satisfaction and in which do we find the greatest dissatisfaction? It turns out that we seldom find people upset and in conflict with computer and clothing stores, supermarkets, and hardware stores. We do see people highly dissatisfied with and often in conflict with boards of education, motor vehicle departments, police, and city sanitation services. What are the differences? For one, the motivation of the provision of services of commuter and clothing stores, supermarkets, and hardware stores is profit. Also, if you're dissatisfied with their services, you can instantaneously fire them by taking your business elsewhere. It's a different matter with public education, motor vehicles, apartments, police, and city sanitation services. They are not motivated by profit at all. Plus, if you're dissatisfied with their service, it is costly and in many cases even impossible to fire them. Can we have this guy on the podcast? <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, Walter Williams, come on the podcast. We just need to talk to you about, about what you just said, or what I just had to read. Yeah. First of all, I often have conflict with, with my people who give me my consumer goods. Fuck that. Yeah, and also this is overlooking entirely that, I mean, maybe this isn't the case for everyone, especially if you're from a place where we're from. You don't really have a lot of options. You can't really fire the people and go somewhere else. Like, our town has one grocery store. So if you're dissatisfied with it, you either have to drive 20, 30 minutes away to go to a different grocery store, or you got to suck it up and keep going to that one. You can't really just leave that store. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, that's how it is a lot of places, especially in, in rural areas. And I mean, even in bigger cities, I have friends who live in bigger cities and like they have a, a they have like a place that's pretty convenient to go to, like within at least within 10 minutes of their place. Now, if they want to go anywhere else, it's about, you know, 30, 40 minutes. And then you're dealing with big city traffic and higher prices and stuff. So it's like, you know, people don't actually have a lot of options when it comes to these for profit areas. Not at all. And also, this whole instantaneously fire them, take your business elsewhere bullshit is the most I want to talk to your manager bullshit I've ever heard. Exactly. And it's like, it's such a flawed premise because if you get, let's say you go to a grocery store and you get bad service, that's bad service from one cashier at a store. It's not, it's not like you not going to that store anymore is really punishing anyone. You know, that's one person who is still probably going to work there. And you're not really punishing anybody with this. Um, you're the if you live in a bigger city, like you're not going to be shut down a grocery store by yourself. You know, it's, I don't yeah. know. People, I don't know. People just really have, like you said, it's that talk to the manager mentality where you think you're really going to get something done here. Like you, you are the driving force of this, and you're going to make sure everything gets done. Yeah, like what it is is you saying to to to, like, to this person, I don't like your service. I'm going to talk to your manager. I'm going to get you fired. I'm going, to, yeah. I'm going to tell your manager I'm going to shop somewhere else and get you you particularly fired. That does not change the overall institution of, of, of a business. Exactly. And also, fuck that. If I get bad service at a, at, at a grocery store, I just suck it up and move on with my day. They're probably having a bad day, just like I'm having a bad day. I don't judge people for that shit. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, if a cashier is rude to me or whatever, I'm okay with that. It's a, it's a, yeah. a very small thing in my life overall. Because that cashier is getting shit on with the same system I'm getting shit on. So, you know, they're probably just having a really fucking bad day. I have solidarity with people like that. I understand. Because there have been many times that I wanted to be, you know, to, 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 to say shit to people. And I have on occasion. And got in trouble for it. And sometimes I got in trouble for it. And it's like, that's we're just humans. That's how we operate. We're not robots. We're not yet. We haven't yet turned us into fucking robots. So I want to talk yep. about one more thing, Seth. One more part of this article, which is even more bullshit than the last, if you're if you're ready for it. Mm-hmm. A much larger and totally ignored question has to do with the brutality of socialism. In the 20th century, the one-party socialist states of the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, Germany under the National Socialist German Workers' Party, and the People's Republic of China were responsible for the murder of 118 million citizens, mostly their own. Their tallies were USSR 62 million, Nazi Germany 21 million, the PRC 35 million. No such record of brutality can be found in countries that tend towards free market capitalism. Man, this guy doesn't in- invoke some interesting numbers there. Yeah, first of all, the Nazis? You're counting them as socialists? Yeah, not don't think so, buddy. Like, here's what they always say. Oh, they were the, they were the National Socialist Party. And to that I say, yeah, because, because North Korea is the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. Yeah, and, we're te- and America is technically a, a democracy. Yeah, not an oligarchy that's disguised as a democracy. No, it's, it's yeah. fucking bullshit. And also the number of the USSR killed includes all the Nazis they killed. That's that's actually very true. I've seen this. I've seen the, the victims of communism bullshit that people count this from. And, it, and the, the victims of the USSR include the Nazis killed in World War II. And I'm like, yeah, sure. If you want to call Nazis victims, yeah, sure. They were victims of, of communism. Yeah. 
but one of these days, I want to find, I want to create or find a victims of capitalism. Let's talk about all who were killed in our wars and here in America because of our economic programs. Like, how many people die of disease that can be treated and prevented or in the projects or whatever, in the inner cities where, where crime is rampant and stuff like that? How, yeah, how or drug are, overdoses. How many people are being strangled by the system and might not be dead, but are just working every day to get even an inch in life and it still is being taken away every month like that and that's base. i mean that's that's a that's a bigger victim for me than somebody who's dead is somebody who's just been strangled to their very core to where they have to work every day and get nothing out of it i think i saw somewhere where our country had been reclassified uh, from a democracy to a zombie democracy it's pretty accurate yeah um oh man these two, these two things take a lot out of me. But let's let's talk about one last thing, if you're cool with it. Yeah, let's do one more. I want to talk about why won't millennials join country clubs? Oh, I'm I'm, I'm ready for this one. By Kelsey Lawrence on a uh, on July second, twenty eighteen, uh, wrote this. I'm gonna read the first two paragraphs of this thing. And it's pretty simple. Uh, quote, country clubs sell a new image the New York Times announced in 1979. Below this headline, an article described a young woman showing up to a country club dressed in jeans and on a motorcycle as a reflection of changing times. Country clubs must accommodate a new generation in order to survive, the paper noted. And the accommodations, lower dues, and special dances for younger members, for example, are, some of the, are only some of the changes being made. Almost 40 years later, a young woman riding her motorcycle to a country club would still be an outlier. Millennials who are burdened with loan debt can't off, often can't buy homes, much less drop thousands of dollars on club initiation fees and dues. Parentheses. Annual country club dues run several thousand dollars on average, plus initiation fee that's usually no less than $5,000. End of article, in my opinion. Yeah, I read this article, and I think the funniest thing is that, that right there sums up the whole issue and everything they say after it is just a waste of time it yeah like there's your answer right there we literally cannot first of all country clubs are lame as fuck who wants to go there and also it doesn't matter because it, we, we can't afford it yeah and this is under the it's under a flawed premise that we need country clubs we don't it's like even millennial, even millennials who like are a little more well off and you know kind of have good jobs or whatever, they don't want to go country clubs because that's just not a thing anymore. People want to go do other stuff. People like to go to fucking bars and movies and uh, you know just all the like different clubs and stuff. Like that's that's their thing. They don't they don't need a country club because it's just not what they want to do. I'm looking at some of the things that they're trying to appeal to millennials with things like paint nights. And yoga and personal biking and hiking groups. Like, anyone could do that. Yeah, you can do all that stuff elsewhere for cheaper and probably have more fun. Yeah, no kidding, right? Like, it will be, you just take it on yourself to do it. Because a country club provides literally nothing but just an area for old, rich parasites to, to like, congregate together. Yep. And Any place where golf is being played and it's not one of those sky golf places... Probably not a great place to be. Yeah, it's not really an area for young people. Like, golf is not a young man or young woman's game either. Um, but here's my favorite part later on in the article. Which, this article goes on, on, on for a while. Like you said, it just drags. Um, 
but this is this is my favorite part right here. It says, um, in Scottsdale, Arizona, the Pinnacle Peak Country Club offers potential members from the ages of 35 and 45 the option of a one-year trial before committing to the initiation fee. Parenthetical. The downside. The fee is $35,000 and trial members still have to put down a refundable $5,000 deposit. Wow. So not, $5, not much of a trial. $5,000 is more money than I have in the entire world. That's a lot of money. $35,000 is probably the sum total of all my debts. Right? Like That's probably all the money that I owe to people in the world. Oh, I could never even, afford this. That doesn't even touch my debts, but sure. Like, it's insane. Like, that they think that the country clubs, like, oh, the urban country club. Well, guess what, motherfucker? It's not a country club anymore. And also, who, like, I mean, again, it's more problems with, like, blaming millennials for everything, right? Yeah. Like, we're killing everything. Seth, how many, how many industries have you killed? Oh, I mean, the other one, this is, the one this article made me think of is, uh, Diamonds. People are like, why aren't millennials buying diamonds? And I, I just have one question. How much does a diamond cost? That's why. Because diamonds literally mean nothing, hold no actual value, but cost a lot of money. So why do I need one in my life? Kind of like country clubs. Yes. Yeah, it's like uh, diamonds should be used for one for two things. Laser and being ground up for dust on drill bits. They have no use in any, any other context. You can now make diamonds in a lab, which people are mad about. Do you think those people are mad about lab-grown diamonds? Yeah, you can make basically fucking real-ass diamonds um, in a lab. People are upset for because it lowers the value, which, once again, they shouldn't have value. Not really. They don't do anything. They actually provide no service to humanity. It's like all these people who buy gold... For the apocalypse, yeah, I'm gonna trade. I'm gonna trade my bullets for your gold. Sounds great. Yeah, it's like what value is gold gonna hold then? Like what we only gold only holds value because we assign to it. And an apocalypse, why would I assign value to anything besides my own life? <laughs> if you were smart, you'd be hoarding fucking canned food and water and bullets, not gold and silver and art or some shit. Like no, but it's yeah, very true. So country clubs can fuck off. No one wants to go there anymore. They're racist and uh, sexist organizations. And uh, no one can afford them if they wanted to. Just meet just meet some friends and hang out with them. Basically yeah. the same thing. Just do the same shit there. You'll be fine. I promise. Oh, man. Um, so I think that's the podcast. That's an episode. That's an ep. We that's did it. Mike so. ep. Uh-huh. We, we pulled it off. We pulled another one out of the, out of the fucking hat. We did. Um... um you can find me on Twitter um, at MC Surf. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at uh, Life of Seth underscores between the words. Yep. Um, our art was done by the elusive Marcus Barkley, who may or may not one day actually exist. <laughs> He's in like a quantum state, you know. Uh, I watch Ant Man, so I'm all about quantum stuff now. And uh, Marcus exists in a, a quantum state of maybe. Yeah. Um, so, from New Orleans to New York. Smith's doing the outro this week. <laughs> um, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make you get under it. Uh, yep. We've entered a time where we are stop trying to solve our problems and just want to outlive them. Mm-hmm. Um, fuck uh, Tom Brady uh, and uh, what's the other guy's name? Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. 
And uh, this was Elino's podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Be sure to slam that like button uh, and subscribe as well. (laughs) Uh, Bye. Bye.